2: this is the blue moon podcast coming up we've got all the news and views from manchester city's week get involved with the debate by tweeting at blue moon podcast and check out exclusive interviews on blue moon it's your club and this is your show Liverpool's lead at the top of the Premier League table has been cut to six points so we've banished the blue gloom podcast and we're going to welcome the happy-go-lucky-scamp version of the show instead. We're all now invigorated by the visit of Villa and more than pleased with the points from Palace. This week we'll be reviewing the last two matches and examining how Pep Guardiola's side turned a potential banana skin into a comfortable victory. With a hat-trick on Tuesday night and one of the cheekiest assists of the season we're rightly going to shine the spotlight on Raheem Sterling. That doesn't mean the likes of Gabriel Jesus, Sergio Aguero and Phil Foden don't get the attention they deserve either. It might be months away but we're turning our attention to the Christmas matches because City have 51 hours less than Liverpool to rest and recuperate during their festive fixtures and Howard Hawking is taking a look at Alexander Zinchenko as well. With games to preview against Aston Villa and Southampton and your questions in Ask the Panel, let's get cracking. I'm your host David Mooney and I'm joined in the studio by two City fans, Chris Higginbottom all
1: right, all right.
2: and uh, Stat City's Adam Carter. Good evening. How are we doing? Are you, uh, you both well? Fantastic. Good week to be back, I think. Yeah, very well. Been been a nice week. Well, uh, I mentioned it in the start of the show there. Raheem Sterling, there's only one place to start for this show. Uh, it's his fourth hat trick of this calendar year. He'd only scored one before 2019 started.
0: Yeah, it just gets better and better. He's reached double figures now every season he's played for us. Um, he's just going up levels. I didn't think... I would be happy with last year's le- uh, Raheem Sterling as a level and he's just almost stepped up and evolved again. I think in the absence of Sane, he gives us... Um, uh, he k- keeps he maintains us having a, a fast attack up front. I just think he's, <clears throat> he's really knocking on the door now for a Ballon d'Or winner and I don't think I'm over-exaggerating when I say that.
1: Absolutely, uh, especially considering some of the people who've been nominated for the Ballon d'Or.
2: Don't know if you saw some of the nominations in the week I didn't actually Who's, uh, what, You're going to reel off a name now that I'm not going to be pleased with aren't you Loris, Loris. Really? Yeah. He keeps chucking him in his own neck I, I know Who else was it? Um, Mind you I suppose uh, they've got to pick some goalkeepers I suppose Well they? I That's suppose yeah But Aubameyang? Uh, I mean he's he's scored a lot of goals but Ballon d'Or he's not had the impact that Sterling's had that's the point really yeah, isn't it exactly, yeah. um only two players he scored a, a a Champions League hat-trick in 11 minutes only two players have done it quicker any uh, any ideas oh Messi's got to be in there it Messi isn't one of those oh, Ronaldo Ronaldo isn't one of those either uh um, Raul nope I'd say you know what you're going to be here all night if I <laughs> if I don't put you out your misery because uh, it was Mike Newell Blackburn Rovers against Rosenberg in That's 1995. <laughs> Nine minutes it took him, and then uh, Bafatimbi uh for Leon against Dinamo Zagreb in uh, 2011. That took him eight minutes. So Sterling is uh, is third on the list behind those two. He's in good company. In good company indeed. Um, I, I, in all seriousness, though, I, like we've talked for years, Adam, about uh, Raheem Sterling's finishing, like. I, I don't understand. There's, there's still people who will say, yeah, but he can improve. And I and I think, I look back to this last week and think, like, he's scoring so many anyway. I think um, because of the positions he gets
0: himself in, he's he'll miss more because he has more chances than most people, but he's certainly adding that finishing touch to his game as well. The way he sat the defenders down for, I think, two of the goals before... But rifling in the top corner in quick succession he's getting that composure now and I always say to the guy I sit next to at the match if he misses one I say the next one's in and you know he missed a sitter uh, Burnley a couple of seasons ago and then the next match the first touch he scored was a goal and it was as if he's banished that so I do think he if he's got too much time to think about he might like well when, like when he's running really through one on one well, for, for, <laughs> for 40 yeah, yards out Foden put him through which was a great ball uh, and he put it wide after scoring his hat trick Everton a couple of weeks ago when Mario Putting through, he slid it past the post. So he has got that aspect of his game, but by no means is that is that um, costing us uh, as it could do could have done a couple of seasons
2: ago. Well, Guardiola, Chris, talked about um, Sterling's finishing with Arteta, didn't he? If you remember the All or Nothing documentary, that after that miss against Burnley, they, they spoke about when he's got so much time, he you know he he, he just doesn't, or in his weaker side, he doesn't finish like he should do. And yet, when you look at his numbers, it's just ridiculous the number of goals he scores. Really.
1: Well, yeah, I think. Um... You're exactly right in what you were saying there. That in the the amount of chances he does end up being there for, you're going to miss some. You know, you, it'd be weird if uh, somebody converted every single chance. Aguero, I've had arguments with people at City before about Aguero um, not scoring enough goals or missing sitters. and it's like
2: he scores so many. <laughs> I know,
1: but this is the thing, isn't it? Because he's always there. He's in a good team that creates an abundance of chances, and he's you know moves well, so he's always going to be there or thereabouts. Of course, you're going to miss some. And it's definitely true uh, to say that, you know, and it's not just him, any, any player really. If you've got too much time to think about it, you get caught, oh, should I do this, should I do that, should I do... If the decision's made for you, you know, it's like the part of your mind
2: that, what is it, the id? I don't know. <laughs> I Honestly, I, I, this conversation hasn't gone where I was expecting it to. So <laughs> no, no me,
1: I've, <laughs> I'm digging a bit of a hole for myself uh, talking about like... Uh, the psyche of the human brain it's I'm not up on my Freud I'm it's, not the gonna, animal, <laughs> it's the animal instinct bit isn't it where it's just like you don't have to think about it it's just blam you do it it's done it's in
2: whereas yeah 40 yards out he's running down he's having a conversation with himself about what he <laughs> might do You know, it's uh... so many options I mean the other thing I wanted to mention Chris was that assist at Palace I mean the audacity to do what he did for David Silver to then... I mean, it wasn't an easy finish for Silver, and he's, and he's done well. It was like a bit of role reversal, wasn't it? It's the type of thing you'd expect maybe Silver to to
1: dink over the top like that. Um, it, yeah, audacious. It's ridiculous. Uh, he's got pretty much everything, hasn't he? Can Some, you... Remember that header he scored against uh, Spurs at home this season? He's got it all. You know, I, don't, yeah, I don't remember what he did. It. it was like a deep cross to the far post and he's angled it and almost... I think the only player I've seen like... Put his head across the ball to angle it almost on a curve, like a curvature into the far corner around the keepers, like it's almost like a Nile Quinn
2: esque. I don't remember. So I genuinely don't yeah, remember. Yeah. I, when I think of G- headers and know, Spurs, yeah. I always think of Jekyll at White Hart Lane because that one shouldn't have gone in. Yeah, how, how that sort of. But like his head shouldn't even. It's like an owl. Sort yeah, of, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> rotate. Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. The owl-headed Eddie Dzeko. <laughs> Um Getting back to the point, Adam.
0: <laughs> you you oh. mentioned um, the other side of his game with like providing assists now as well, but also. A couple of defensive, he's been in the news for a couple of defensive papers. Uh, well, the tackle at Crystal Palace, and there was one ball he won midweek um, against Atalanta. He had no right to win it. The defender's two foot taller than him, and he's bullied him off. That he's so strong for a small guy as well. He's, we're talking about an all round player now. His stature should suggest that he shouldn't be able to win uh, tackles on his own byline and, and win headers against these big guys. But he really is. Here he is. He's doing he, it. is yeah. the, 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 the real deal now.
2: Well, let's talk about Gabriel Jesus as well, because uh, speaking of goals at Palace, it was uh, and speaking of headers as well, it was a lovely kind of in inverted commas header with his shoulder uh, into the uh, into the bottom corner. But he gets himself into those positions so often.
1: I I think he's fabulous. I'm, I love him more and more all the time. Um, he had a sort of sensational uh, start to his life at City, didn't he? Uh, although actually, that goal was chalked off against that team. I always end up mentioning Spurs, but. He's prolific, he gets in the right positions, he's getting better and better, he's getting stronger and stronger. How old is he? Is he 22? I don't know, He's he's been here forever. And he's, he's, he's still stif- yeah. He's, still he's young. ridiculously young. Um, I was having a chat with a, a mate about this, actually. The Aguero-Jesus conundrum. Aguero's not got much longer on his contract with City. We need to handle that situation really carefully and make sure that we still have Jesus to step into that. Position in case you know, we need to play him enough that he isn't tempted by offers from Europe and needs to know how much he's valued and needs to be told and convinced that he's the mainstay of our attack for the coming years
2: once Surge. Uh, Departs I was going to say Adam He's very quietly Had an excellent start To this season
0: Yeah well he reached 50 goals for us And he's one of the Youngest players to do so uh, For the club So he's almost established Like we were mentioning How young he is He's an established striker For us now as well He I is
2: 22 th- by the way And I definitely <laughs> haven't Just googled that
0: <laughs> um, I think we're, we're talking about him Being a replacement For Sergio But I, I read uh, Or I remember Reading a couple of Seasons ago that uh, Pep said once Mendy's fully fit He would play Both of them together because mm. uh, Mendy gives us that width on the byline, um, I just think he is the man to replace Sergio. And that, uh, some people are, are looking at other outlets to, to as a as a striker to replace Sergio, but I think he's got the ingredients to to be that man.
2: Absolutely. Fans obviously want to see Aguero because of, of who he is and what he's done. But, uh, I mean, Adam, do you agree with, with, with Chris that, he, that the, the phasing process might happen a little sooner than we expect?
0: Yeah, well, I've always said as long as Sergio's contracted with City and he can walk he's the first striker on the pitch... Um, but I, th- I think now actually Pep seems to be favouring Gab- Gabriel Jesus over the with for the Premier League games. and He's bringing Sergio in for the Champions League game. That's been a pattern last three or four matches. Um, so I think actually is Pep slowly passing the baton on before our very eyes. I think we might like you say we might not have to wait as long as we all envisage and he is fine and there's so many games now we're going to talk about fixture pile up in a, in um a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a while but that, that will aid uh, Gabriel's path into the first team and being uh, named in the first 11 definitely
2: although you know Chris what Guardiola will do now is he'll name Aguero starting for the next 10 games (laughs) and Jesus won't get a look in well
1: he might do but if he does do that I think uh, we'll be lucky not to see some kind of injury to Aguero because that's another thing to factor in isn't it he's getting older gets knocks more Jesus the opposite
2: Bounces around like nobody's business, really. Exactly, it? it's, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's incredible how uh, how flexible he is at times. Um, two more goals for Aguero, Chris. Uh, Thirty-four in the Champions League now, fourth in the list of Champions League scorers for not City but for English sides. You're not going to ask me. I'm not going to ask you who the others are. No, I Mike one, Neal, uh, one, White, yeah, definitely Mike Neal's <laughs> got uh, one's Drogba. I know that, um, but I can't, th- I can't remember. I, I should have looked it up actually. To the, the the others off the top of my head, but uh, but no, I didn't. So well, I'm, you, I'm glad you didn't. Cause not going to ask you about, that. Don't know who it is. Um, no, but it just it just shows for for what pedigree. he's achieved at City. Yeah, yeah, absolutely consistency.
1: And it also shows uh, our consistency and the fact that we've been in the competition uh, consistently, which is still you know a refreshing thing
2: to see. What can what's gone before. What can we say about Aguero that's not been said already? Can well, you find anything?
1: Well, his game evolves,
0: doesn't it? He's not as fast as he was when he arrived. He seems a bit stockier now. Um, there was the famous will he play under Pep, will he fit in Pep's system? And he came out with a quote a, few, a month or so ago um, saying what Pep expects of him. And now he understands what he wants and they get on great. And he's, they had dinner, didn't they? That yeah, was that, they, yeah. they explained it all over dinner. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, the. He just seems to fit whatever style, whichever. He's had three managers now, four if you include Brian Kidd for a game, uh, a couple of games. Why, why wouldn't you? That's, that's <laughs> exactly, he deserves say. it. And um, he seems to be able to, like I say, evolve and change his game. And he's certainly working as hard as he ever has, even if he is a, a yard slower. But that, that's never going to impact Sergio when he knows where the net is.
1: That's it, he adapts, doesn't he? Mm. I think there's a sort of a humility and a team ethic to him as well, where, for instance, there was a bit back where Jesus was coming back into the team when he did play them together and there was an occasion where Aguero could have easily shot. It's Liverpool. Liverpool the 5-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he knew that Jesus needed a goal. He knew it would have helped his confidence, and he rolled it across to him. And I believe that against Crystal Palace, if Aguero had been in the same position that Gabby J had been in, I think he would have probably rolled that across to Kevin because I wouldn't want De Bruyne screaming at me in training for a week about it. It looks scary, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, he looks like he, when he gets angry, you don't want to cross him, no. You, no, definitely not. Um, we'll come on to De Bruyne uh, shortly, but uh, I, I, just sticking with Aguero, um, I've, there was something that's, that jumped out at me during the Atalanta game, Adam. You probably won't remember it, but there was a point where Atalanta passed the ball back to the goalkeeper. He took, a, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a bad touch, but it wasn't a great touch. And Aguero thought, I'm having this. And he closed him down, closed him down, and the goalkeeper ended up facing his own goal with like nowhere to go because Aguero was pressing him and they ended up giving the ball up to City. And Phil Foden did it again at, like a couple of minutes later and it, it really struck me at that point. Phil Foden, the, the young, energetic player, you would expect to go chasing around the pitch. Aguero's never been that pressing sort of player and yet here he is doing a lot of the legwork for the team.
0: Yeah, I think it's rubbing off. I mentioned uh the end of last season... There was a, a m- moment in the derby where he chased one down at the corner flag and he looked really pumped up. Now this is a guy who's been there, done it, won everything you can in England uh, domestically. so many t-shirts that yeah, he got exactly. nothing to do with them, yeah. Why, and he's still got that fight and that hunger and that's going to rub off on players like Phil Foden who can learn from that. And if Sergio's doing it, who I say have won, has won everything, he's looking around thinking, i best put my shift in here as well because I want to be like him and I want to win everything. So he really does you know, lead from the front and that's the best player you want up at the top to show that example.
2: Phil Foden, Chris, um, Looked, he Loved looked a part. He looked a part of the team, didn't he? Against Atalanta, he looks every inch the
1: first team player. Uh, I can kind of understand to an extent when Pep is saying he's not near the level of Silva or De Bruyne in certain aspects, but I think he's playing on instinct, isn't he? Foden, he's such a natural. Uh, he's took a. It'll take a bit of a time to acclimatise to like the, literally the physical strength of uh, the level because each time we go up, it's like it's. It's, harder, it's a little battering it? ram, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a harder physical level. It's a tactical notch up. But he plays instinctively and he just keeps proving that he's good enough. The next level you put him at, he's good enough. Playing for England, he'd be good enough. There's maybe certain aspects of his play, defensive, nous, uh, experience. I mean, he's. it was highlighted perfectly in the sending off Uh, a more experienced player would have let that player go because he knows this ref's dying to send him off because it was a pretty needless yellow card in the first place don't do it again did it again get sent off he will learn from that but I think that's maybe the sort of area that Pep is alluding to in terms of not being at a level but football wise come off it He's there. He's there.
2: He. I mean, you look at him, and when you when you look at, at, at kind of like the way he talks and the way he, the way he behaves and the way he speaks in interviews and the, the way he kind of appears on like outside of football, he feels to me like a very young nineteen year old, if you know what I mean, mentally. But yeah, then you, I saw his but, birthday cake. But then, <laughs> but then, when you look at him, um, kind of in the team. He looks so much older than nineteen. Does mm. that did, does that make sense? That kind of juxtaposition.
0: Yeah. Well, you see videos of him dribbling a football down the street in Edgley hours after a game, and I, I, you wonder if he's got that mature mentality. But on the pitch, granted, he made a mistake midweek, but he's not let us down technically or you know physically. He looked like he was meant to be there. He was, you know, he had their midfield on strings in parts. That passed to. Raheem had no right to make that pass. That's a pass of a David Silver who's been playing 15 years. Um, his, his mentality off the pitch doesn't. Tran- once he crosses that line, he's a city player. It, it looks like he follows uh, Pep's plans to a tier. There was every dead ball that Kevin De Bruyne was taking, he, uh, Foden went over to offer an outlet each time. And obviously, that was a tactic they're working on training. So Pep knows he can trust him on that pitch to deliver to, to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's all you'd ask.
2: It's. I mean, we've mentioned the red card a couple of times. It felt ridiculously frustrating that because I mean, he's probably it was probably going to play in the in the San Siro, and now he's not. That's romantic, but perfect time for it, if you ask me.
1: You mean experience wise? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's not cost us anything. It's cost him a game. It's cost him a little bit of game time. But if you're going to get that kind of wrap on you know clip round the ear experience wise and do it then and I'm
2: I'm quite happy with that you I mean, will learn from it even so though Adam I didn't think either of the challenges were yellow cards no they
0: weren't I think uh, the referee just wanted something to do in the end I think there were some challenges that he yeah, plenty to do. he kept pointing to the centre circle <laughs> after City had scored <laughs> someone went straight through Sterling two minutes after that and didn't even get a book in um, mm. I just think he was wanting to make a name Pep, Pep after Foden's yellow card was saying to the assistant the, the next one's coming uh, obviously, he didn't transmit that message to Phil and say, you know, watch it for the next five minutes. Well, maybe cause...
2: that was the le Maybe, as Chris said, that was yeah. the lesson. Maybe, maybe, was, maybe, yeah, maybe exactly. he was letting him learn that lesson himself.
0: Yeah, well, it's, he is a genius, so maybe <laughs> so.
1: Well, when he got sent off, he was in the. Um, I can't remember how many officials we've got. The umpteenth official who stands by the managers, he was saying, I was right, I was right. Yeah, he, that, yeah. he, he knew he it was but yeah, Phil didn't. <laughs> and then,
2: and then is he jogging off? I saw that he'd give him a he give Guardiola give him a high five. Yeah, and normally, yeah. when a player's got sent off, you exactly. Don't, yeah.
1: And normally, he'd get fined. And he's saying, "Well, maybe I should pay him more for how well he's played." So yeah, yeah he's, he made his feelings pretty clear. Obviously, if Phil Foden next game gets sent off for something absolutely stupid, we're all we're all idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I want to talk about the defense as well because we've talked a lot about uh, about City's uh, hodgepodge defense in the last few weeks. Uh, Adam, they finished the game with two centre backs.
0: Uh-uh. <laughs> Miraculously, um, you know, we're starting the Crystal Palace game with the news that Ottomendi and Walker are unfit and well. Uh, you've got Rodri and Fernandinho, too. That, cent- that team came out and everybody yeah. lost their heads, yeah, and <laughs> it, was it was fantastic. It was the f- first clean sheet for a while, um. It uh, sounds bizarre, but I think part of that clean sheet was Kevin De Bruyne being back in the team, and mm. not necessarily because we had two centre-midfielders uh, centre at the back. We weren't under too much pressure against Palace, but Pep's not scared to make those decisions. Uh, Twitter was awash with why is Eric Garcia still at the club if he can't get in a match now when... Two centre midfielders are in his position. Mm. He's never gonna get a, a get, gonna get a game.
1: But- was that tweeted by John Stone? Or- <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Garcia's
0: agent or something. <laughs> um, but I just think Pep knows what he's doing. In Pep, we trust. Um, you know, you know, it's it's almost, you know, just. Unthought, un, well, didn't he win the Champions League final with the IR at centre back? He did. He's, I mean,
1: he's edging he, closer to his dream of starting with eleven <laughs> midfielders, isn't he? We've well, already I, got one in there. Well, was
2: that seven? Well, well, that I, I just thought at that point as well. It was a shame for him that that Sinchenko wasn't fit because he'd have been. He must have been tempted, even though Mendy was the better option to go. You know, I could just get another midfielder in this team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he um, it. it's it's funny as well because. Like the way it was all set up, I remember I, I was tweeting before the game uh, against Palace. Adam, that um, we, before we knew that Otamendi was injured, that that you know he was mysteriously missing, and then he's found bound and gagged at the CFA, um, because it, it, it's weird. It felt like he needed some time out of the team, but City couldn't give it to him. And now that John Stones is back, now that Fernandinho can push back into midfield, it feels like even though like Otamendi might not be in great form, he has been injured. It feels a lot more settled. Yeah, I think that's why
0: he made that switch in midweek to get Stones and Otamendi back together for half an hour or whatever it was. Uh, The game was already won. Uh, Atlanta are still going to play some good stuff in and around our box. It was a good exercise to have Stones and Otamendi back and get that confidence back up. We can't forget that they were a big part of the the title winning side of a couple of seasons ago. Um, They were in bad form against Norwich earlier in this season and that really exposed them. Uh, I've bookmarked, bookmarked, bookmarked a tweet that said uh, City will never win the title with these two idiots at centre-back, so I'm retreating that at the end of the season. i that more than mine? It. <laughs> that might be more of mine, I don't know. <laughs> no, it was a major publication that will remain <laughs> nameless until I thwart them at the end of the season.
2: Look forward to that. Yes. Um, Chris, on a more serious note, though, Rodri went off injured uh, against Atalanta. Are you concerned about that? I noi- mean, isn't it? Yeah, the noise might only be a small one, but uh, you know, it, it's, it still feels like he was really settling in. Yeah, but you know,
1: John Stones—it's not the worst boy to come in, is it?
2: I mean, I I'm just know. thinking. i just thinking the pressure on Fernandinho in front of the defense, and you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but
1: I think the, the the team are aware of the the problem we've got at, at centre half, uh, exempli- exemplified perhaps by you mentioned it earlier uh, about Sterling—the way he got back. Everyone's aware that the defense needs that extra protection. Everyone's busting a gut a bit more to, to shield them, I think. And uh, I'm not massively concerned about that, uh, to be honest. I just uh, don't know. I just, at the moment, I think we're going to be, I think we're good to go great guns. We just really need some of the luck that uh, Liverpool seems to be enjoying uh, <laughs> to to fall away, which it nearly did completely at the 18 weekend. months that it's been going on. It's not, know, yeah. it's not changing anytime soon, is, is it? it? It's like.
2: <laughs> Who is... Who would City upset? That's what I want to know. They've got
1: our old physio team, haven't they? They should be up for the Ballon d'Or, Liverpool's (laughs) physios. I mean, what?
2: Get injured.
1: It's just statistics. Please, somebody.
2: (laughs) Shouldn't wish that on anybody, but I am doing. Uh, Well, I mean, they're the views of Chris Higginbottom and not of the Blue Moon (laughs) (laughs) podcast, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. it's VAR time. Um, I'm going to get a little jingle. I keep threatening to get a jingle made up. I am going to get a jingle made up at some point this season if we carry on like this. Um, two questions, rather simple. Uh, why didn't Kevin De Bruyne get a penalty at Palace? Uh, and why did Phil Foden not get a penalty against Atalanta?
0: Well, when Jurgen Klopp's saying we should have had a penalty, then that's pretty conclusive. I think he was doing it tongue-in-cheek to uh, highlight the use of VAR in their game. But... um it- <laughs> What can I say that's not already been said? VAR is just dominating this show, every show that you listen to regarding football. I'm trying, I'm really trying yeah, know, for it I'm... not
2: to, but we've got to talk, we've got to talk the talking yeah, points. Yeah. And...
0: Um, I don't know why we're not getting these decisions. I, I feel like there's the old adage that it all evens itself out at the end of the season. Uh, is
2: it though? There's some evening up to be done. Yeah, here. I'm like, it? yeah
1: it's... it's just abject buffoonery. You've got. A system that kind of works, and you've brought more people in who are less likely to make a correct decision than the initial one. It would seem they're just backing up the mates, and a, a subjective decision doesn't seem to ever be overturned. What is the point? I mean, I wrote a little thing about you wrote it.
2: quite extensively for the the Blooming Podcast Patreon.
1: Um, I mean, you know my views on it. I, in its current form, I loathe it. Are they going to get rid of it? No, because somebody's probably got a contract and it's all... Oh, it's, <laughs> it's. It's. I am sick of it. I'm sick of hating it. I hate it. Just how is it possible to get it so wrong? I mean, mm. just some things. Who was that? Uh, did you watch the Spurs-Wolves highlights? Uh, there was a penalty right. incident there. Spurs should have lost that game. Spurs- was it
0: Spurs-Watford?
1: Was it? Sorry, Spurs yeah, Watford. Delafield. De yeah, yeah, yeah. There was two mm. no, two nibbles he had at him, and you've got the perfect view of it with the pitch side camera. What are they looking at?
0: They're never going to overturn the on field ref. I think that's the common theme here. It's
1: well, this is it, and the on field ref never goes to look at the uh, the pitch side monitor. Yeah. Why is it
2: there? The other problem that we've got now is we've got into a situation where we've been talking all season about this high bar. As soon as we find something that passes that high bar. Then we're going to retrospectively look at all the ones that haven't, and gone well. That's that's the same. Mm. That one's the same. these ten examples are the same. So why is that one given in this? Mm. Why has that one been overturned and this one not? So now we're in a situation where you know you're pretty much going to have to headbutt somebody and and yeah, not yeah. be given before that bar
1: is cleared. We've got multiple precedents for ineptitude, which basically just perpetuates it.
2: Kevin de Bruyne, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How key has he been, uh, Adam, in... Uh, you mentioned him before about him being back in the team. How key has he been in picking up the performance levels from the last couple of weeks before yes. before the international break?
0: Yeah, you saw that he was missing from the Wolves game and we got beat 2-0. Uh, you can't say that's c- completely down to him, but it obviously adds to it. We come He comes straight back in the team after the break. We win 2-0 away at a tricky ground at Selhurst Park. Um, he well, just...
2: City, City did do it most of last season without him.
0: It was a. I'm saying we're a different team then as well. The way teams played against us last season, obviously, um, the pressure we're under from Liverpool early on. Again, I feel like he just dictates the play. It, if he's in the mood, he'll he'll do whatever he wants. He'll put that ball in. Uh, I think the Watford game. Four of the goals were from the six yard within the six yard box that we scored because he's just delivering those crosses mm. on on a two pence for the for the strikers. I just think he's that important that. He will imp- he will impact the result on his own if he wants to. Mm. It's proper Roy the Rover stuff. He dragged us forward after Atalanta scored um, midweek as well. He, he, he literally, if he's on form, City is singing as well.
1: It's His on-pitch presence isn't it? His persona—he rubs off. He demands his standards of everybody else. And a kind very of... angry man. As yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I love Chris. that about him. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Um,
2: a very very last point in the first part of the show. Um, we talked before about Gabriel Jesus having a, a, a quiet. Quietly excellent start to the season. Uh, Riyad Mahrez falls into that camp as well. I think.
1: Mm. I think people are very quick to uh, judge these days, aren't they? Um, they want people to be absolutely hundred percent straight away. Bernardo uh, took a while to settle. Mahrez the same. Now he uh, he looks every inch like uh, a, a first team player. He had some. He's a game changer, isn't he? He's. Like, I was going to
2: say, what's he offering that that the other forward players don't quite offer? Well, he's got like. He's got things in his
1: locker that you know about, like he can, you know, he's going to cut inside, or you know, he's going to, you know, he's got an eye for a certain kind of slide rule pass where he expects somebody to run behind and he'll 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 look for that, you know, inside of the left foot, weighted perfectly. But there's other things where he he does things that nobody expects and that that only he knows are going to happen, and possibly sometimes doesn't. And that's that's the sort of he's got that kind of X factor, hasn't he? Like, was it against? Brighton last day, where he scored. He's, yeah, he, yeah.
2: He, he caught I think it was Lewis Dunk on his, back his right side. foot as well. Yeah.
1: But that that dummy to put Dunk on his backside, I wasn't expecting that. It was just like, whoa. Oh, okay. Bang. Amazing. It was the
2: sort of one where I love it when it happens, where the person who's doing the camera gets done as well. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? yeah. Like the whole crowd. Yeah, just whoo oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not in shot anymore. But yeah, he's uh, he's got
1: he's got unexpected he's got the X factor, hasn't he? He's got something unexpected in his locker which can win a game, which uh, is invaluable.
0: I think um, Mahrez is my player of the season so far for City. He came yeah. back on the back of winning uh, the the cup with um, his national team. He's brought that form into us. I think he, like you say, he's that X factor. He has got that class and that. I think he's benefited from Sane being out of the side. Mm. And I think he now he's not got that pressure of competing with another person for that wide berth as such. Obviously, Pet likes to rotate, but I think he's really hit the ground running. That game against Everton was his best in the City shirt, and he's replicating that more and more often than he did in his first season. So. Yeah, player of the season so far. Mm.
1: And I think he is one of the people as well who perhaps uh, thinks Raheem Sterling should be scoring a few more. If you look at his, I saw, reaction I saw the reaction
2: to the. Yeah, yeah, the yeah on he list. held up the four fingers like mate. Should, <laughs> should be four hat trick. What's that? <laughs> Chris, would you like a beer? Oh, don't mind if I do. Uh, go on, there. we've got a box there. Go on, take uh, take one out. This is nice. What's Excellent. What have you What have you got?
1: I've gone for a uh, Brute IPA. Uh, It's called Grand Slam. It's got a silhouette of a man clutching a large hop bud, which I'm assuming is meant to resemble a rugby ball because it's called Grand Slam. And it's
2: 6% ABV, so that's probably also why it's (laughs) called Grand Slam. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, you, you, tell you what, you crack on with that. Uh, okay. Good, to keep drinking it throughout the show because it's free from beer52.com and Blue Moon Podcast listeners can also get eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world too. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash moon and cover just £4.95 postage. And as an added bonus, Blue Moon Podcast listeners also get two extra free beers, taking the total to ten. How is it, Chris?
1: Well, it smells lovely. I'll just take a sip now.
2: Tell you what, it's not half bad that. Excellent. Well, uh, Beer52 head around the world to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small-batch breweries. And each month, they deliver a case with a different theme. They include beers from places like Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, Finland and California. And they also haven't forgotten their roots with the UK craft beer scene as well. There's no lock-in with Beer52, and you can leave at any time. Your first box will be sent to you the next day and will contain beer from all over Europe. Hoppy IPAs, hazy pale ales, refreshing lagers and more from breweries like Aura from Italy in casey from france tempest from scotland boss brewing from wales and many many more if you prefer some dark beers in the case then choose the mixed plan it's easy don't like dark beers then choose the light plan simple chris uh how are you, how are you doing yeah it's great I'm just looking at
1: the label actually from county cork uh it's quite hoppy so it's uh, designed to be dry and fruity light in body with citra mosaic and simcoe hops hop champagne exclamation
2: mark are you, oh, are you gonna enjoy three? that
1: throughout the show I'm. Well, I'm not going to make it last
2: that long. Uh, there are a few more, aren't there? Excellent. Yeah, you can't have them all, oh, but you okay. can have. You can have maybe one other. We may, maybe let you have another. I'll try and go easy. Excellent. Uh, you also get the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers. And they're also throwing in a cheeky snack as well. Have we got any of those, Chris? Actually.
1: Ah, Mr. Porky, and uh, I'm talking about the the snack. I'm not addressing you in a derogatory manner.
2: Excellent. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have them if you want them as well. Oh, nice one! Excellent, brilliant. I'm gonna come again. Excellent. Uh, Just go to beer52.com forward slash moon to get your first case of eight beers for free, plus those two bonus beers for Blue Moon podcast listeners. That's beer52.com forward slash moon. Right, Mr. Porky. Now last week It was confirmed That City's Christmas Fixtures are going To change As a result The gap between The games in the Festive season Is smaller than It's ever been Under Pep Guardiola I've been taking A look at how It could affect The team City should have travelled to Wolves for a kick-off of 3 p.m. on Boxing Day before they hosted Sheffield United on December the 29th, but because it's now to be broadcast on Amazon Prime Video, the trip to the Black Country has been pushed back to December the 27th at 7:45
3: p.m. This is what it is. So since I came here every season, it's happened the same. So, the broadcasters are the bosses in this situation.
2: That's Pep Guardiola speaking ahead of the 2 0 win at Crystal Palace last weekend, having been asked about the Switch. He's right that his Christmas matches have been changed in the past, but it's never been this extreme.
3: I love to play in, in boxing days, in winter time when everybody's a star, the families, kids go into the stadium and enjoy the games. I like it.
4: I can't bring the time.
2: This year, City will have to play three games in the space of five days. Their title rivals, Liverpool, face those same run of fixtures but have seven days to fit them in. What perhaps makes it worse is that Wolves are a common opponent too. So not only do Liverpool have extra rest, the team they're up against have had their recovery time severely reduced as well. One
3: other day, we, we, will have more, uh, you know, we will have more recovery than the other one. So it's what it is. So Maybe the broadcasters are fans for some club, but... Listen, this referee, this referee, we have to play tomorrow, we have to play tomorrow. So, after we have meetings with the Premier League, with the managers, with the UEFA, and they are so glad, nice pictures, good café, it doesn't matter.
2: Here are the numbers for this year. Between kick-off in their first and last festive match, City have 117 hours. That's the lowest it's been under Guardiola with most seasons that time running to something in the region of 140 to 145 hours. Last year was the outlier where there was a somewhat luxurious 197. By contrast this season, Liverpool will have 168 hours between their first and last kick-off in those three games. Roughly 51 hours more recovery than City. So how can Guardiola get his players to recuperate?
3: Players to the fridge. I'm not joking. Go home, open the fridge inside. 48 hours. See you in Etihad Stadium. When I open the fridge to make an omelette, maybe I can talk with my players. But apart of that, no way.
2: Guardiola might use his previous experience in England to help him cope with
3: this Christmas period. But it happened my first season here, when we played, I think, 30, or oh not 31st in in Anfield and two uh, here against Burnley. So it's not the first time.
2: Two games in three days also happened in Guardiola's second season as well. The bad news, though, is that City haven't won both on each occasion. In the first year, they lost to Liverpool before beating Burnley. Then, 12 months later, they drew with Crystal Palace before winning against Watford. Guardiola says his side just have to get on with it.
3: When I, I read the fixture yesterday, you said that's OK. I never, I never... So it's what it is. I'm involved in this world, in this business, and I accept it. There are some things it, it's good, some things not. Always I'm concerned about the, the the from the players. For me, it's not a problem. So we work harder, harder. We organize better, and uh, to do it.
2: The manager says they just have to accept what the
3: broadcasters ask for, and that it's an issue they've dealt with in the past. It's a business, and the people doesn't care, don't care about the players. So we're injured, another one. But we solve it in the past. We're going to solve it in the future because it's the only way you can see doing in that way. In that way, not complaining or calling to my my chairman or CEO and say, "Hey, what's happened? What's happened?" Or call to the the big bosses in Premier League. We don't solve anything. We cannot win for titles in one season because we needn't complain and whatever happens: seven behind, seven in front, eight behind, seven in front. Next one, try to win, try to play good, and that's why we achieve what we achieve. We're going to try this season with the problems that we have in several positions. But
2: when asked if his comment that maybe the broadcasters are fans of some clubs was anything more than a joke, Guardiola knocked that suggestion back.
3: In four seasons here, I never suggest about the people favoring this one or the other one. No, please, don't me really understand what I'm saying. So it was a little bit joke, and maybe you know some do it. But no, they decide to do that, we are going to play in that game. It's ridiculous to discuss five or six answers or questions about that. One is where it is. My statement is not going to change that. I'm going to complain for that. If they decide to play Wolves and after that in a short time, we are going to play there.
2: However, the manager thinks it's not a new problem for City to have to overcome. Last
3: season, we had less games. Between games, we have less dates to play compared to Liverpool. Most of the times. We didn't say anything. No. Go, play, play and try to win game, game. you won the Premier League. So that is the only way. In many, many games, we had less games to do between games, less days between games. But another issue, another part of the season, maybe this season, next one, we'll have more days.
2: City's game with Sheffield United on the 29th of December has also been moved back to a 6 p.m. kickoff. That's to give Guardiola's team a little bit more time to recover after their trip to Waltz.
1: Hi, this is David Boatstein, and you're listening to the Blue Moon
2: Podcast. Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. A look at City's Christmas fixtures there. Um, Adam, how how is this okay?
0: It's not okay, is it, really? Um, you know, you, you do the numbers there. Um, you're the numbers, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, we were just laughing that... Um, we've got our first game on January 1st, so we should celebrate that first. Um, you know, I don't want to come on cry and say it's not fair, but, you know, it's statistically not fair. We're, there's evidence there. I love Pep's comment there about getting his players in the fridge and that's the only time, that's the only recovery we can do. You, you know, you talk about the Amazon Prime deal, that's the reason we're, we're having this discussion right now. It's the, the You've got City issued a statement about the well-being of the players and that's a real... You know that's a real true factor in this.
2: Well, let's—I mean, numbers-wise, I said it in the feature there. It's normally around about 140 to 145 hours between these three games over Christmas for City this season. It's 117 hours 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, these are professional athletes that have, we've got the best sports scientists uh, dealing with these guys, and you know the, the human body's got to recover from such strenuous. Uh, exercise we're going to get it thrown at us that we've got this miraculous squad depth that is actually a (laughs) a myth by the way judging by our injury record and we we should just be able to throw another 11 players at it and we're going to get it thrown at us that um how much money was spent to acquire that squad but they're still human beings spend as
2: much money as you want they're not bionic exactly
0: that's that's the point i'm getting at we the the gap between games is laughable um and I think we can't escape the fact that it's this Amazon Prime deal, like, the, the reason why we're expected to do this stupid schedule. I think the fact that the CEO of the club is issuing statements about this shows how seriously we think about it. Pep's got to be careful to, about bringing the integrity of the game into, into the conversation as well. But when it's hitting that top level, there's a real issue.
2: I was going to say, Chris, you can understand why he would publicly kind of play it down. Because you don't want to be make, you don't want to be seen to be making excuses, especially so early on as well. Yeah, I mean, because let's be honest, City could be out of the title race by then if City lose three games whoa, before whoa, then... Whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, let's, let's let's be honest. If they lose three games before then, then it doesn't matter. But if they if they go toe to toe with if they're neck and neck with Liverpool when these games come around, it certainly does matter.
1: It does. In I mean, we've seen over the past few seasons the small margins that um, that win your leagues. Than lose your leagues and so
2: fifty one hours rest could be it.
1: Yeah, and well, I said small margins. That's a lot of extra rest, isn't it? Um, I'm surprised Pep's playing it down as much as he has. I know he's been like, get in the fridge, guys. But like <laughs> you know, he uh, he he must be absolutely seething. And the other thing is that twenty seventh Wolves away. Um, that's like technically that for the fan from the fans' point of view. That's a working day as well. It's just like. Why do they keep ruining our Boxing Day? Like it's just not on, really. It's, I'm not happy with it.
2: Not only that, Adam, it's Wolves away for City, and then Liverpool's game, the next game, that's the one that's really close to it, is is Wolves at home for them. Liverpool have played the day before City, so yeah. they get the, the extra day rest there for the for the opponent that have been tired out by playing City.
0: Yeah, it's just the way it's fallen is bizarre. Like you'd, you'd hope, we're going to give a good account of ourselves against Wolves next time than we did the last time, but mm. you'd, you'd hope that they. Will be on the back of a defeat against us and then they've got to go go to Anfield and do it all again in such a short space of time. Going to Anfield with a week's preparation, you still wouldn't. It's not easy, it's is not it? easy. God City, it, City no exactly. Doubt. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully, we've we've had a good game against Wolves and tired them out that way. But it's, it's, do you want to tire them out because we're going to want them to go to Anfield and, and do the job for us there? But you know, Liverpool have got the rubber the green on this decision. I, I saw, I heard something in the the piece there about. Uh, is there ever any favoritism from the media in terms of <laughs> who who chose these fixtures? I would like to know what the decision process was.
1: Hmm. Who sets the? Uh, is agenda the right word? I
2: it's don't the know. broadcasters, isn't it? I think that's uh, it's as simple as that. The uh, the, the league bends to the will of the broadcasters. They're the one that's they're the ones that paid the money. It's ridiculous
1: having three different platforms, anyway, isn't it? Really, for like oh, you want to watch your team? Well, get this, this, and this. Don't go uh, downloading any illegal illegal streams, will you? <laughs> folks, don't do that by the way, it's illegal
2: not the advice of the Blooming Podcast no, again but no. it's uh, maybe the advice of Chris Higginbottom who well, knows, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't dream of it sir um, speaking of an early game uh, Aston Villa at home for the uh, for the weekend um, October has been pretty kind to Villa Adam, they've, uh, they've won two on the bounce, it brings them into the mid table they have won against Brighton and Norwich though is the caveat,
0: yeah I think they're finding their feet in the Premier League now they're back in they're a good club, uh, well supported club um, I like the, the fact, first and foremost, the fact that they're back at the big, the, the top table. But if we need to be thinking of having designs on retaining the title, there the games you need to win. We've already lost one home game for me, and for me in a title-winning season, you can't afford to lose a home game. We've done that now, so we've got to go and win an away game that we didn't win last <laughs> season. Um, God, that's, that's such a statistician's know, yeah, view sorry. of the world. Yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, early kickoff. You, the best thing about an early kickoff is. You've done your job. You can relax. The worst thing about it is if you lose your weekends ruined so soon. So Mm. um, Liverpool will be watching that game they play on the Sunday. Um, Hopefully we can do do the job there and then reduce it down, reduce the gap down again. And that's all we can do now until we play them. I always said that as long as we were six points within six points, then by the time we played them, it's still in our hands. It's back in our hands now. And that didn't look the case. now it's so early in the season, but the, that's the bar we've set now.
1: It's Big, big difference, isn't it? Yeah. Eight and, and six. It's mm-hmm. like, as a statistician, how many games do you think we can afford to lose?
0: I, I think we've got one more defeat, and that's based on the last two seasons. I worked out it's literally, you know, you know the average yourself. One more, and it's. I know you shouted at Dave well, for saying we might lose three. I think one, and we're
2: out. But what about if that one's at Anfield? No, no I'm, not I'm not going there, I'm not going that. I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> the, the the funny thing is, Chris, Aston Villa, for me, always feel like the team that come to the Etihad and City go, right, how many is it going to be this week? Again. The, the record is remarkable against them.
1: I don't want to even go there because I said this about Norwich. I we know, always it, I, do well exactly. against Norwich. I was even in, you know one of those last man standing things where you all chip a tenner in? And the prize was like one thousand eight hundred and sixty quid, and I was, I was actually saving City for like one of the more difficult weeks, thinking, well, I'll, i City Norwich or Norwich against City, yeah, that'll be that'll be a, a banker for us, and yeah, promptly booted out. Season looked ruined. Uh, I was a, not a happy chap that day, so I don't really want to be too, you know cutting the chickens for but Villa we, we, but, but historically yeah we always do well against Villa don't we
2: but there's a, there is a there is a more valid point in you know don't get complacent yeah
0: I think I don't think we will now after such, such these shocks early on mind you having said that we said oh, we'll bounce back from Norwich we did with the Watford game and then the Wolves game us. comes around I think the centre back situation isn't going to help us but I think we should have enough at home we should have learned those lessons from the two games you know, you know. I heard someone on the podcast a couple of weeks ago saying well, the cat's used eight of its nine lives now, and I do. I seriously think we're there. Mm. And home against Filler isn't the the time to be using your ninth life either. Yeah, I mean, Jack Grealish does he worry? Yeah, he looks up for it. He's, he could have gone to Spurs a, a couple of transfer windows ago. He seems up for it. I think he's a good player. I, I think we should have enough to combat that. Um, he's certainly their danger man if we're picking one, but we shouldn't be looking at Jack Grealish. This is going to come back to haunt me and you'll make sure it does. Um, this Jack Grealish shouldn't be the one to worry about. We shouldn't be worrying about
1: Jack Grealish when we've got Villa at home. Hmm. I'd be very worried about Jack Grealish if I was uh, a sock manufacturer <laughs> or Villa's kit maker. Have you seen the size of his calves? <laughs> I can't say Diculous. I've noticed. He can't even pull his socks over his calves because they're like...
2: He doesn't skip thighs,
1: his calves, his are, calves like,
2: are like thighs. It's ridiculous. What are his thighs like? Mm, torsos. Uh, torsos, yeah. I don't know,
1: like, but he's got it's just something a bit It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, Have you not seen the man? He can't pull his socks up. It's because his calves are so massive. It's well, weird. Uh, let's hope he
2: doesn't use those calves to good effect. Uh, I on certainly, hope Saturday. Not. They're, due, um, they're due a strain, I think. How did <laughs> this is a man who doesn't want people to get injured, and here he is. Uh, yeah. Wishing calf strains oh, and just
1: throwing hexes about like it's nobody's business,
2: exactly. Um, how does City line up then, Chris? Aguero or Jesus, Mares or Bernardo, Foden, even?
1: Well, I t- I've not seen them train, so <laughs> I'm not asking you to physically pick the team. Oh. I thought you were, That was literally the question.
2: It's kind of, it's metaphorical, I, I don't know.
1: I'd play a mer- metaphorical front two, <laughs> <laughs> I'd play a metaphysical uh, midfield five. And a hypothetical back four, Absolutely, there we go. yeah, yeah. And a, a literal goalkeeper I'm getting, who can play in midfield. I'm
2: getting absolutely nowhere with this line of questioning, so uh, let's move on to the League Cup, uh, Sorry, Adam. Um, it's Southampton in the League Cup, it feels like one of those games where not a lot happens, but somehow one of the teams scrapes through and it's usually City in the League Cup for the last couple of years.
0: Exactly. That's my thought entirely. Um, it's going to be similar to the Wolves game a few years ago when they were in the Championship, I think. It's going to be, no-one really wants to be there. We obviously want to do well in that competition, but we don't care how we how we do well. Uh, I think it'll be similar. Uh, we will rest a lot of players, obviously, with the fixture pile-up we mentioned. Um, Foden will shine, people the fringe players like Cancelo uh, whoever's out of the team at that point in terms of Bernardo or will come in so these are the type of games we've had over the few years now with the Leicester game in the League Cup Um, the the game against Wolves I just mentioned where you can almost there's almost a pattern to the the competition now with Pepe Pixar because let's face it our second team is a decent team as well, he'll play that with a sprinkle of a few mainstream stars in there and we'll in the early rounds of the League Cup, we'll just bundle through. Um, like I say, you'll see a similar uh, lineup to the Preston game, and I don't really expect four, five, six, but I expect us to win maybe on penalties or something like that to just uh, scrape through. Yeah,
2: Chris. I mean, mm, not gonna love, act, love the Carabao. Not going to ask you this question, uh, Adam. Uh, do, do you want to see someone like Taylor Harwood Bellis? I'm not asking you to get near the team. I'm not. not don't want any team news from Chris now. <laughs> Disappointed.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Garcia and Bellis could do uh, a job at the back again, um, preserving Fernandinho's legs for uh, any chance we get. It'll, it'll yeah. be a wise move for Get that. him in the fridge already, <laughs>
2: is what I say. Uh, now, real question for you now, Chris. Uh, three, oh, uh, possibly Possibility of three in a row with the League Cup uh, for City. How how realistic is it? Very Realistic. I will embellish.
1: Um, <laughs> Thanks. It, it's very realistic. He he plays it really well. He seems to he views all competitions as like a part of the same motion towards his end game of winning absolutely everything because the resources he's got at, at his disposal are you know fabulous. Uh, we we've got literally, well, almost literally an embarrassment of riches uh, in terms of playing stuff and. You know what we've got available to us. We can realistically do it. Um, you know, on all fronts. Size. I love the League Cup. I think it's great. You get a result on the night. Um, it's all blood and thunder. I mean, I prefer it infinitely to the. I've probably said this before. I sound like a broken record, but infinitely to the the group stages of the the Champions League. I think it's a great competition. I hope we do win it. It's a great day out.
2: Brilliant. Well, after a successful prediction by our guest, Palace fan and comedian Andre Vincent last week, we're now up to £190 raised for the Christie, cancer hospital in Manchester. Uh, we're working with William Hill to raise money, so let's have your predictions for this week's two games. Uh, Adam Villa at home, what are you going for? 3-1 uh, City. 3-1 is 9-1, to one, so £90. Uh, Chris, what are you having? Four one. Four one is uh, ten to one, so hundred pounds. Uh, and I've gone for a nice call cool three nil, so that's six to one uh, for me against Southampton. I've also got another six to one shot at sixty quid. Uh, it's two nil for me. Uh, Adam, what are you
0: having? I'm going for a one all with a City win on pens.
2: Well, we only get for the the, the ninety minute result, which is uh, one all, so that's uh, twelve to one and hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, Chris, what are you having? Two for the Blues, one for the Saints. Uh, two one is seventeen to two, so eighty-five pounds if you're right. You've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, check out begamblaware.org. <laughs> Life has probably never been better to be a Manchester City fan, especially as things are looking like they're back on track for this season. So if you want the best coverage of the club, then you could try The Athletic. They've got interviews, features and stories about City from a world-class team of writers. It's totally ad-free and there's no annoying pop-ups. If you want to give it a go, then head over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash blue moon and you'll get 50% off your yearly subscription at £2.50 a month and a 30-day free trial. Sam Lee is their City correspondent and this week he's been writing about the impact that Kevin De Bruyne has had since his return from his injury problems of last season. He looks at how a tactical tweak has seen the Belgian slip into the right-back position and start a move that can cause havoc and how it leaves him in space to whip dangerous crosses into the box. We've also all been crying out to see Phil Foden some more and after his impressive performance against Atalanta, Sam's been looking at how he slots into the team compared with David Silva and De Bruyne. Sam's also looked at what all of them... Bring Bring to the team in terms of passing, movements, goals and pressing, and why Guardiola still says that Foden is a long way off the levels of his teammates, even if he's well on his way to becoming a first-team regular. So if that sort of stuff is your thing, then head over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Blue Moon to receive 50% off your yearly subscription and a 30-day free trial. Welcome to the new home of football writing. Now it's pretty clear that Alexander Zinchenko has become a firm fan's favourite at City and his future couldn't be in doubt, could it? Howard Hawking Explains.
4: Maybe you could excuse him the weekend off. After all, he had not only inspired his country to the finals of the Euros next summer, defeating Portugal in the process... But he had in all the excitement, and he seemed to be very excited indeed post-match, proposed to his girlfriend too. Naturally, she said yes. Yep, Oleksandr Zinchenko has had one hell of a week. He's had one hell of a year or two, truth be told. Therefore, perhaps his exclusion from City's squad at the weekend was not a great shock. had excluded a few first-teamers because of events over the international break. Sergio was omitted for not playing, John Stones too for not playing competitively for quite a while, whilst Mendy had a knock while still managing to train the previous day. The first two still made the squad, but now that City currently have three left-backs training for match time, it's not a surprise to see one miss the squad entirely, now that Pep trusts the fitness of Benjamin Mendy a bit more, for now. But it's got me to wondering whether recent weeks will prove to be a turning point once more for the career of Zinchenko and perhaps bizarrely if he's one of the players most at threat of leaving the club. OK, that sounds a bit extreme for one squad omission after a week of lying on rose petals in the middle of a football pitch, a player that signed a new contract during the summer, but I'll try to explain. After all, by the time of the Atalanta game, we learned he had, by now, at some unknown point, picked up a knee injury, its extent is yet unknown, so he wasn't available midweek anyway. Nevertheless the key for me is whether Zinchenko has a future anymore at left back and whether he'd want one anyway because at international level the young Ukrainian is a midfield maestro up and down the pitch, scoring goals, dictating play doing the sort of stuff he had probably imagined he would always do when City signed him it seemed as if he was ever to break into the team it would be as a left winger but his stints for Ukraine in the odd half hour more centrally for his club show he has more to offer away from the touchline and as a left-back he's probably wasting away his career. Now a year ago, even six months ago, I would never have typed or spoken those words. My feeling was that if he continued to develop and learn and train as hard as he apparently has been for the past two years, he could make a real career as a left-back. But now I'm beginning to think that that was wishful thinking for two reasons. Firstly, whilst I cannot read his mind, I'm not convinced he really wants a career there. It is not what he is. Many a player has transformed their career with a position switch, but Zinchenko does not need to, or well, certainly not at any other club. David Alabao is an example that springs to mind of a player that has switched from midfield to full-back while still maintaining some midfield roles for his country, Austria. But when Zinchenko plays away from left-back, he plays well. So why convert him into something he is not to fill a gap at a club that could spend £50 million on a proper left-back any time they desire, and at a club where, finally, there is no gap to be filled right now, not in the short term at least. Mendy and Angelino are fit, and they are fit left-backs. The purchase of Angelino may have been a canny financial one, but there's little point in him being at the club if he is not one of the top two recognised left-backs at the club. Which puts Simchenko in something of a dilemma, because where he would probably prefer to play, where he plays for Ukraine, is overloaded with talent right now, as it has been at City for many years. Left-footed David Silva will say his goodbyes next summer, of course, but we expect and help Phil Foden to step up to take the spot even if he's not an identical player. I even expect Bernardo Silva to drift centrally eventually, at least some of the time, another player who uses his right foot simply to stand on. Then there's Kevin, De Bruyne of course, and Ilkay Gundogan and Rodri and Fernandinho, Though he will be 35 by next August, not that you would know it. Is there room for another midfielder? If City dip into the transfer market again, certainly not. And as it's a weekday, links with Isco are of course resurfacing in the press. And yet I need to see him there. I want to see what he would do as a number six or a number eight. I'm intrigued as I think City are wasting his talents if we persist with him at left back for another minute. Guardiola is of course fluid with positions and has converted more than just Alaba to new roles. Yaya Torre for one was deeper with Pep than he would be for City. Guardiola is far from the only manager with a fluid approach to positional roles, but he does put huge trust in natural midfielders to play in defence. After all, as we saw at Palace, he would ideally play 10 midfields in front of a keeper if he would get away with it. The obvious chance to test this proficiency in a central role would be the Carabao Cup tie against Southampton, but injury may have scuppered that. And whether it would have happened anyway is another matter. Froden and Zinchenko tearing it up in midfield is something I'd certainly like to see, for sheer curiosity if nothing else. There's a strong argument that he has earned his chance to play there too. He has turned down a succession of moves elsewhere the previous summer, most notably for £16 million or so, to Wolves, so that he could fight for a place at City. He believed in himself and put in the hard yards to win Pep Round. A ferocious trainer, he could often be found pedalling manically in the gym to improve his endurance even further at the end of a day. His main asset to those at City is his determination to make it, to improve, to aim high and to meet challenges head on. That's why he didn't leave. That is why he has a future at the club. This is a man determined to make the most of chances that have come his way and it would be something of a waste to see him develop elsewhere, another move that could come back to bike City on their collective behind. Of course there's no immediate hint whatsoever that he's moving on but at some point in the future he'll have to decide what to do with Zinchenko to ascertain what his value to the squad is, to decide where on the pitch he most belongs. His agent has been talking this week too, talking of Napoli for no particular reason but stating that there is no immediate problem with his client at City. Of course many a City fan will struggle to visualise Sinchenko as a future world-class midfielder and if you want to be a regular in the City's midfield world-class is what you have to be. They don't see him at that level though he's only 22. It's almost as if he should be disregarded for such a role because he's not peak Yaya Torre or David Silva but at his age nor Yaya Torre or David Silva. Then how would they know without seeing him play regularly in a preferred position perhaps on the left of a central midfield duo? Do we know how ruthless his shooting really is or his passing from different areas of the pitch but then again are his star performances for his country just an elevation of his pride for playing for them something that could not be replicated at club form. Well I don't see why not as he's not one to give less than 100% as I've already mentioned and he has time on his side Sinchenko has a balanced skill set and that may be part of the problem for him a jack of all trades can often be shunted around never finding a true home Either way, Zinchenko's decision not to leave in the summer of 2018 has proved very useful indeed for him and for City, helping him towards an unprecedented domestic treble. Zinchenko is no youth product that has come through the ranks on the age of 8, but his success at City, signed for mere £2 million as an unknown in the Ukrainian league, would mean something, something different than a £15 million signing doing well. It would show that the team is not just about cherry-picking the best talent, it will show what application and desire can bring a footballer, and it will showcase once more the talents of Pep Guardiola in moulding players and making them better. For everyone's sake, I hope Alexander Zinchenko is at City for a very long time.
2: Hi, this is Kevin Horlock, and you are listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Howard Hawking there. It's time for Ask the Panel. Get your questions in at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. You can email us through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. You can also search for us on Instagram, which I keep forgetting to take the photographs for at the end of each episode. Just search for Blue Moon Podcast on there as well. First up is Jonathan Beals on the emails who asks, what do you think of the idea that city could employ influencers to improve the atmosphere?
0: Oh, that was uh, a <laughs> embarrassment. I like the fact that City have come out quickly and said distance themselves from that. Well, agent, d- d- so b-
2: before we go on, let's say, uh, let's just say, yeah. City have said uh, that they've denied advertising for in- influencers online after an apparent appeal appeared on uh, Tribe. That's an app that connects brands with people with large social media followings. Uh, it looked like it had come from the club, uh, seeking promoters for Champions League football at the Etihad. Uh, it's thought that it was posted without the knowledge or the permission of the club. They very quickly come out and said that, which I think is a telling thing. Yeah, I, I didn't like the fact that the first line was male
0: uh, as as part of the criteria. I hadn't oh, really? That. Oh, yeah. I hadn't so yeah, uh, male, fifteen to fifty-five or something. I was a bit mortified that they hadn't asked me, so I'm obviously not as influential as I like to think I am. Well, you think. I mean,
2: <laughs> you think they come knocking. We've got two yeah. very, very influential people in the studio <laughs> here. And but, Chris. <laughs> I'm, there
1: we I'm go. joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like one of those... It's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that that exists as a, a thing to do, I find pretty ridiculous. But yes, I'd love to do it. Um, <laughs> but that, so the they're distancing themselves from it, but what? It's not a
2: real thing. The club have distanced, them, distanced I mean, themselves from it. So what, what? they're what they're saying is they haven't done this. This isn't this isn't anything the club have done. Right. Okay. That's what they're distancing from, themselves from. The actual the act of it being posted on the on the tribe It's a bit weird, isn't it? I don't I don't claim to fully understand what's gone on there. If it's nothing
1: to do with us, why is it out there? If it is out there and it's nothing to do with us, clamp down on it for, with a massive ton of hot fiery bricks.
2: Does the uh, the idea of influencers work for improving the atmosphere, Adam? Yeah, they the look to, on your face yeah, is incredible. Yeah. <laughs>
0: they just they referred to the three teams in the group as relatively unknown teams, and we need to uh, create this atmosphere of it being a fear of missing out opportunity. And if you need uh, social media influencers to get people to want to go to Champions League games. It's a bit of a sad state of affairs, really, especially if they must be male and they must be, be below the age of fifty-five. It just what does beggars that, belief.
1: How does it work anyway? So you're in. It, so say I'm the influencer, and I'm at the game.
2: You don't even have a Twitter account, Chris. <laughs> so <laughs> it's Instagram, isn't it? I'm I yeah, assuming think, it'd be Instagram or maybe YouTube. They, I don't know. Get, they, with, get with it.
1: Um, but <laughs> like, for hypothetical, if I'm at the game trying to influence people by saying. What? what am I going to no, do? No, I
2: don't think you do the influencing at the game.
1: You're not at the game going, oh, this is dead good, come here, it's going to be great. They That's want not you to build horrible. the
0: atmosphere pre-game, and Pre- pre-game. you must buy tickets to the Atalanta game, it's going to be great.
1: Oh, right, I get you. So, like, oh, wow, right. That's you where say? we're at. This is why I'm... Not on.
2: I'm, I'm, not on social media. Yeah. He alleges. We're sure he has got an account, but I've not found it yet. I'm just very, very careful.
0: I'm just glad how the speed at which the club came out to deny because we would be up for endless mockery. And we, I, I even retweeted it and said, "This is minging, because uh, you know I've got, I've got a presence on social media, but I wouldn't. I don't. I didn't know that those type of approaches went on. I'm just glad the club have distanced themselves from that agency. Yeah.
1: I was half expecting it to be just like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Everybody else will be doing it in the next two weeks, and just watch it snowball and become normalised like so much other like ridiculous stuff.
2: So so many other parts of football we don't understand anymore. I know. Yeah. Uh, Harry Graham's been in touch on Instagram to ask: uh, Should City break their pay structure to keep hold of Sterling in case Madrid or Barcelona come sniffing around? We, uh, we were singing Sterling's praises earlier in the uh, earlier in the show. There was talk that he might. It might need a, uh, something in the region of £450,000 a week to keep him at City should one of the big boys come, uh, come along. don't know, I mean,
1: is that necessarily... Once you've reached a certain level of like um, wealth, is it really about that? Oh, well, I was going to go to Madrid. Um... But you could
2: understand from Sterling's point of view the idea of moving on to somewhere like Barcelona or Madrid. Exactly. So, what no. what could City do to keep hold of him? I think the question is. Well,
1: I know, but what I'm saying is, once you've reached a certain amount of wealth, and you want, if you've thought, I'd quite like to live in Barcelona and ply my trade there as a footballer, but City is saying, "Oh, we're going to break our wage structure." i will be like, "Well, I've I've had a great time. Hopefully, you agree that I've served you really well. We've won a lot of stuff, but this is, you know, time for." Time for him to move on, like he did from QPR, like he did from Liverpool. And so is the
2: answer that City couldn't keep hold of him if they, if if one of the big boys came want, along?
1: It's not if they come along; it's if he wants to go.
2: Okay, yeah, sorry, I'd not. Yeah, I'd not. Do you know
1: that's where yeah. that's where I'm approaching it from? It's like break the wage structure all you like. I don't think we should do that. No, it's ultimately the the, the sort of one word answer to the question. No, we shouldn't. That was three words. <laughs> but um, you know, I think it comes down to the man himself. If he wants to go, he's going to go. It's not like oh, you're offering me a few bob extra to not go to Barcelona, well, I'll not go. I don't think that's going to happen. If he wants to go, he will go. He's happy where he is at the moment, and I'm happy with that.
0: I think we've managed to retain so many players without breaking our uh, our wage structure. Mm. Sergio signed God knows how many contract extensions De Bruyne has, uh, Edison has, all these six-year deals that we're throwing out without having to break. That I don't think a club of our stature now needs to throw money at it anymore. I think we've had times of doing that, and now I think we've got
2: a wage structure that works for us. Mm. And a level of prestige, which is attractive Mm. enough. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, finally, this one is uh, an anonymous question. When you hear the question, you can understand why. So don't worry, Pete Maudsley on the emails. I'm not going to reveal who who uh, sent it in. Uh, which City player would be easiest to get in the fridge?
0: <laughs> I'd like to put Raheem or Bernardo in, I'm thinking.
2: I think Bernardo. Bernardo's the smallest, so you can cram uh, yeah, him in there. Would just... you, who Basically, who would you have to take out the least stuff for to get in the mm. fridge? Uh,
1: so it's a question of volume yeah. and... Um... Kind of gym, cooperation, gymnastic well.
2: sort of ability. Yeah, cooperation. I, I suppose. I mean, we aren't putting them in the fridge against their will. I suppose mm. they've got they've got to be happy enough to climb into the fridge. <laughs>
1: I'd say it's probably going to be Bernardo, whether he likes it or not. The, the, the rest of the team <laughs> will get hold of him and yeah. just sling him in the fridge.
2: <laughs> yeah, it seems to be the way it goes for him, really. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, anyhow, if you've got any suggestions, and God knows why you would have, but you never know, uh, tweet us at Blue Moon Podcast and uh, get your questions in for next week as well. Uh, but for now, that's it for this week's show. A uh, special thanks to my two guests, Adam Carter, thank you, and Chris Higginbottom, thanks for having me. If you'd like to hear the three of us plus one of our Patreon backers discussing some memorable city comebacks, then go and sign up to our Patreon page. The search for patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast the bonus shows are available for everyone who backs two dollars per month and if you'd like to be on that show in future then you can just have a look at the ten dollar a month tier don't forget to subscribe to the show and uh, leave it a rating and review on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts from i'll be back next week with a look at the villa and southampton games see you then